You're listening to Recovery Podcast, a production of Volunteers of America. The transforming journey from addiction to recovery is never the same for any of us. Joe Niverson understands this and yet has a focused ability to recognize the positive disciplines and destructive choices we face on the way. Today, Joe shares his story of overcoming a life of addiction and crime and becoming an ordained minister and pastoral caregiver here in our organization. I'm Nick, and you are listening to Episode 3 of Recovery Podcast. At Volunteers of America, we are a ministry of service, seeing broken people physically, emotionally, and spiritually healed and thriving in their lives. Our team brings you Recovery Podcast twice a month with stories, interviews, and insights for all those seeking to live their best life. It's our goal to inform, engage, and inspire all who listen. Subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use to get it delivered on the first and third Wednesday of each month. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It really helps. And now for this week's episode. So Joe, uh, thanks for being here. Uh, You are pastoral care coordinator uh, here at Volunteers of America in Northern Rockies. And you and I have had many conversations um, about how blessed we are to be involved in this ministry here at Volunteers of America. I think we get to see miracles nearly every day and uh, in the lives of the people that we serve. How great is it to have someone come into one of our programs, whether it's somebody completely lost in their addiction or a homeless vet living in isolation due to years of shame and guilt, and then see them begin to trust again. They start to attend groups and desire to be in community. And then one of the greatest things to me, they make the choice to serve others out of gratitude for those who have served them. It's powerful, and I've seen this in your life from when you first got here uh, and, and started the recovery program to where you're at right now. And I wonder if you'd start by just sharing a little bit about what drew you to the recovery program uh, here at VOA. How come you first came? So I started using drugs at a very, very young age. I was around five years old the first time I uh, smoked marijuana and drank. Um, And uh, it wasn't long after that that uh, I did meth for the first time. Uh, and my whole my whole juvenile life was filled with uh, drugs and alcohol, uh, juvenile hall, uh, group homes, um, and crime, uh, doing things so I could uh, make sure that I didn't run out of the drugs. Yeah. Where, I, where was this? Where were you at? In Washington State. Okay. We lived uh, in Seattle and Spokane, mm, yeah. Moses Lake. Um, when I... Uh, when I became an adult, I continued to uh, break the law to get drugs, and I got in trouble and I went to prison for a while. Got out of prison, and I wanted to get clean and sober, and so I started going to treatment centers. <clears throat> and I went through four different treatment centers before I came to VOA. Uh, none of them fostered any kind of spiritual growth. Uh, they, they, they would tell you to, uh, if you couldn't figure out who your higher power was, they'd tell you to pick a light bulb or a rock or a doorknob or something like that. Yeah. And I always tried, but it never worked for me. And <clears throat> I was always, I, I would relapse within 24 hours of getting out of treatment. Well, I got in trouble here in Wyoming and uh, 
was given the option of going to prison here in Wyoming or going to treatment. And I chose treatment and that's how I came to VOA. I came to VOA as a client. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that recovery process then. What, what did you find when you came here that, that kept you here and, and began to look a little different for you? So when I first walked through the door, uh, I was mad at people because they were coming up to me and shaking my hand and loving on me and telling me, <laughs> telling me it was good to see me and that they were glad I was here. And I knew they were lying. Um, they weren't, but in my head, they were lying. It yeah. took me about a week or two to realize that they were being sincere and they, they wanted to know how I was doing and they wanted to encourage me and love on me and, and lift me up. Uh, because of my childhood, uh, I, I was really mad at God, so I wanted nothing to do with God. And I tried uh, a few different spiritual paths, and none of them, none of them worked out for me, obviously. Um, and uh, I met uh, one of our health techs and uh, Gary Kopsa, and they just kind of spoon-fed me salvation. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that initial time of, of being able to hear not only that word specifically, uh, that, that biblical truth specifically, but the, there was people there who were, you recognized, genuinely loved and cared about you. Yeah. So I, you know, now 13 years later, looking back, I mean, that's what we do here at VOA, right? Yeah. We just love on people and encourage them and lift them up and accept them for who they are and, uh, and try to help them find the path that they need to be on. But at that time it was, it was weird to me cause I'd never experienced that in my life. Uh, but yeah, having, having a group of people around me that were encouraging that I could look at their lives and see, uh, see this, this, these amazing blessings and uh, see that they grew through this, uh, through sp their spiritual contact, or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, they were the ones that were encouraging me and lifting me up and trying to, trying to help me find my path. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's important. Um, so one of the things that you shared with me, and, and uh, I hope you're comfortable talking about some of this stuff. I'm going to ask some questions here that, that dig a little bit. But one of the things that you shared with me is, is your, the beginning of your kind of drug journey and how actual young you were when that started. Would you just share just a little bit of that so people get an idea of how deep that went? Yeah, so <clears throat> my brothers first introduced me to uh, smoking pot when I was five years old. Mm. Uh, they thought it was cool to see a little kindergartner running around drunk and stoned. Um, and then uh, I started doing meth when I was nine years old with another family member. Um, and so my house, I mean, that's that was all that was at my house was, was drugs and uh, criminal behavior and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So between then and when you came to recovery, what type of a time span are we talking about then? How many, how many years were you living in, in addiction and in that place? So I started at five. So that would have been 30 years. Yeah. I was in addiction for 30 years. Okay. All right. And, and during that time you had, 
either tried or been kind of forced into some other recovery programs and for whatever reason, they just didn't connect with you. Sure. So, so my dad died when I was three. Right. And, Mm. and I thought that God took him away from me. And so, uh, every time I was forced into something or went into something willingly, um, and the first time someone said God or, or started talking about that, uh, talking about God, I would, uh, I would fight it and lose all interest and not want to do anything with it. Um, it wasn't until I was 35, uh, that I realized that God didn't take my dad away from me. You know what I mean? That, that it wasn't his fault that all this stuff happened to me. There's some, there's some fault, but, uh, I've already forgiven all of that stuff. So I don't even think we need to go there. Yeah. Yeah. So the recovery work that you've done. And your relationship with God is what's brought you to the place now of being able just to recognize that, boy, some of the things that I thought were truths when I was younger definitely aren't the truth. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, when I when I was in our treatment centers, uh, I was allowed to go to church, and I started going to a local church here and uh, uh, building a relationship with uh, the pastor, and he's now my mentor. Um and uh, uh, helps me to walk through stuff. Even today, uh, 13 years clean and sober, uh, he still helps me uh, with course correction and, and stuff like that. And at the very beginning, when I first got into recovery, I had to do for me, because I knew if I went back out, if I, if I relapsed, I wasn't coming back again. Um, and so I knew that it was my last chance. And so I did everything that I was told in treatment. I went to a meeting every day. I, uh, studied my big book. Um, and along with good, uh, spiritual counseling, I stayed in the Bible and I, I made sure that I was surrounding myself with people that were, uh, that were good people so that I could grow instead of falling back into that old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Truly walking that peace out with your higher power with, with Christ and, and knowing that boy, community is going to be important and all those other things. So talk about then your, from recovery, once you get through the program, then what, what took place during that, that time of, of coming out of recovery and how you began the transformation? So <clears throat> I had decided probably, uh, three, four weeks in, to my treatment that I wasn't, that I was going to take it as slow as I possibly could, that I was going to walk through, um, walk through everything in recovery, like I was supposed to do it. And so I stayed at, in the life house, our treatment center, uh, for 91 days. And then I, we had a, a program called, um, transitions and I stayed in there for a couple months. And then I went out to our, uh, independent living house and lived there for a few months before I even stepped out. Uh, I made sure that I had a good sponsor, um, Mm -hmm. so that when I did completely, um, step away from VOA that I would have the support that I needed. Like I said earlier, I surrounded myself with good solid people that I knew were in the program and that I knew were doing well. So that that first year or two, I wasn't going to have too many, too many big bumps that I was going to have to worry about. 
Uh, and then, you know, after I did that for probably six months, it became habit. And, and that's what I did. I stayed in my Bible. I stayed in the big book. I kept praying. I kept asking, uh, for guidance and direction to God and to everybody around me that I knew was doing well. Um, if I was doing something, I'd ask if, if it was the correct way to my sponsor. And, and, and if it wasn't, he would tell me and I would, change what I was doing to make sure that I was doing it the right way. And blessings started happening in my life, right? Uh, I met my current wife. Yeah. Um, we started having babies and uh, life life was pretty good. Yeah. So how many kids do you have now? I have five. Okay. Five kids. All right. That's, man, what a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. And so your walk from the recovery time and, and then you got out, you, you continued to do what you felt God was calling you to do and, and walking with those tools in place. I met your wife and again, started that relationship. Uh, what were you doing work-wise at the time? What did that look like? So uh, when I was in prison, I went through culinary school mm. and, uh, and so I've, I've worked in a lot of restaurants, but when I got out of, uh, treatment I started uh I I ran a local restaurant here in town I was the executive chef and uh it's hard work and it's a lot of work but um I would make sure that uh when we hired new people I would hire people out of our treatment centers and mm -hmm. and out of the programs to make sure that uh the kitchen wasn't a bad kitchen because if you yeah. if you know anybody that works in kitchens man they're uh typically not a good place for a recovering addict to be. Yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah. So difficult situation there. How long did you do that? Uh, about five years. Wow. Okay. And then what, what took place? Well, uh, <laughs> so God, uh, I believe that, that God, um, called me out of the kitchen and, uh, I went up to North Dakota, worked in the oil field for a little bit. And then my wife, um, let me know that she was pregnant with, our youngest. And so I knew I couldn't be gone for weeks at a time. Uh, and so I came to talk to my old clinician to get some guidance. Uh, and she said that there was an open position as a health tech. If I wanted it, it was mine. And here at the life house. Yep. Yeah. Here, here at the life house. Yeah. And so I prayed about it and prayed about it. And, uh, God kind of directed me and, uh, I started working at VOA. Yeah. And how long ago, is that now? That was uh, November 14th, uh, 2014. Okay. All right. And so you were in that role for how long? As a health tech? Yeah. Uh, not very long. Um, so I, I, up in North Dakota, I was making crazy money. And then sure. uh, going from that to a line level, the, the money was a little different, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was worried that, that things were going to... Um, that I was going to be able to make bills and all that stuff. And yeah. I prayed and prayed and prayed and, uh, God helped me make ends meet. And, um, I was a health tech for, I think six months. And then I moved into a uh, campus supervisor for about six months. And then, uh, uh, program manager for about a year, a little over a year. And then I went uh, into veteran services and worked in veteran services for a while. Yeah. And then I became a commission minister. 
and uh, started working as the pastoral care coordinator in May of 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember that time you going through the commissioning process here. What did that feel like knowing that you had started here with uh, nothing again? And, and like you said, you knew this was the last time you could be at this place. You had to make a change. And then looking back from that to walking into being a commission minister in this beautiful organization. What did you think about that? What was going through your heart and your mind? <laughs> so I was scared. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, I knew, I, I knew that I was being called into it. I knew that I needed to do it. Um, I just knew that, that that's what God wanted me to do. But, you know, at the very beginning of it, being beginning of it, I felt like I was fake, you know, that this was all, I was just going through the motions and super scared of what uh, that meant to be a commission minister and how was I going to serve these people if I'm still messed up myself. And um, it was, it was pretty scary, but again, VOA, uh, the, the staff and other ministers and everybody just encouraged me and loved on me and lifted me up and helped me walk through that process. Yeah. Well, and like I said at the beginning, what a what a beautiful thing in this ministry to see somebody who's gone through the process and now they come out with a grateful heart. True true servant leaders that come out with that grateful heart and are ready just to jump back in because they want to give back. And I've just seen that in you, the opportunities you've had to grow in this role as pastoral care coordinator. It's been amazing. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot now, and I want to ask you, for one one of the stories that comes to mind, uh, just really impactful story of somebody that you've served and you've seen go through this program in our in our ministry and and find that piece of recovery and redemption. Do you do you have a story, just something brief that you could share? Uh, somebody who who's really done well. Sure. <clears throat> so there was a uh, uh, one of our women that went through the gathering place. She went through, she went through right around the time that I started the pastoral care position. Mm. Um, and so I was doing groups with her and, uh, talking with her and she had lost her, her daughter wasn't that, that the way she described it is she was never going to get her daughter back, never going to be able to see her daughter again, but she was still focused, right? She was still in her Bible. She was still, uh, doing the work that she needed to do, um, she graduated and started working at a place here in town. She moved to Sheridan away from the place she was, started working at a place here in town and excelled there uh, uh, and eventually got her kid back. Uh, she's engaged to be married now. She has uh, she has an amazing job, went through the peer specialist training and uh, works for a, a local organization. Yeah. Um yeah. And is doing amazing things, and yeah. she's plugged in at The Rock. So The Rock Church is uh, a congregation here in town that's really partnered with us through a lot of the recovery work that we do. Actually, their pastor is an ordained minister with us here at Volunteers of America as well. She she yeah. still walking the walk. Again, t- turning that corner and coming back to serving, you know, yeah. finding that ability to serve others. What a powerful uh, a powerful piece, I think, of God's work, that is, that redemption story, that he does, doesn't just 
pick us up and, and, you know, redeem us just for that. But the call is to continue to serve and to move forward. And we're blessed and others are blessed. And it's a beautiful picture. Tell me, what do you think are one of the key practices for you that have helped you uh, walk out your recovery to this day? So there's three. Okay. There's three, three things that I do every day. I pray. Um, I, I always, when I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed at night and then throughout the day, but, uh, in the morning, I, I just ask God for guidance. And at night, I thank him for the blessings of the day. Um, that's, that's probably the biggest thing for me. Uh, the second thing is fellowship, right? I don't care if it's AA, NA, or church, you have to be in fellowship. You have to surround yourself with uh, a group of people who are like-minded and they're walking in the same direction as you. Um, and the third thing is to get in the Word. Mm. Be in the Bible every day. Yeah. Read every day. Yeah. So much truth to that. We need those things. And that's exactly, I think, what Scripture tells us, too, is those are the things that are going to help us continue to walk uh, well. So, well, Joe, man, I appreciate your time. I, I want to tell everybody out there that Joe, as a pastoral care coordinator, Joe works in our recovery programs, and he, he works with both the men and the women. And so if you know someone who is needing recovery or somebody who maybe is coming into our program, I would just suggest that you ask them to to get in touch with Joe and hear his story maybe a little bit more and spend some time with him. He's always here and available to pray with you, to uh, visit with you. And man, just an amazing testimony, Joe, of what God's done. Anything else you want to add before we're done? Just that I know, I know that transformation is possible. I, I've lived it myself and I see it daily. I see that transformation, and I know if you're out there struggling, it's not easy. Getting clean and sober is not easy. Uh, finding the right uh, path to be on is not easy, but it's so worth it. Blessings are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks again. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Recovery Podcast is brought to you by Volunteers of America. If you heard something that strikes a chord, shoot us an email at recoverypodcast at voanr.org. Today's music is courtesy of Free Music Archive. This week, you heard tunes by Ketza, who also composed our theme music. Links to the artist can be found at our website. This episode was produced and edited by Nick Angeloff and Dave Shumway. Thanks for listening.